there. Thanks for joining us on the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is where pastors and members of Christ Covenant can process the sermon, ask questions, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you do have a question you would like to have dialogued, please use our text-to-pastor line at 404-465-1737. And if you'd like to find more resources, visit ChristCovenant.com resources. We hope you enjoy the discussion. Well, we didn't have one of these last week. We uh, had a little staff retreat uh, time for us to just build and grow as a team, which was great. But we're back this week. Um, I, I guess we could kind of talk about both weeks a little bit, though I want to focus more particularly on this last uh, Sunday sermon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're obviously in the middle of a three-part series, Justice, Kingdoms, and Politics, and the sermon titles are Justice, Kingdoms, and then this coming week, will be on politics. Um, so just to kind of frame it up, if you, if you maybe missed one of the sermons, we, we've basically been laying out four kind of secular forms of understanding justice in the world. Uh, we also kind of laid out four biblical themes, big themes of biblical justice. And we've been saying that in the kingdom of God, uh, the, the difference between kind of what everybody's after in the world right now, be it, you know, equality of power or, you know, human freedom or human happiness or whatever, those things aren't in conflict with one another. But in the kingdom of man, they have, ma- there's massive conflict. And and I thought that the, the John 18 text that we looked at on Sunday was interesting in that regard, and particularly the line, and, and there's a lot to that text. In fact, Blake mm-hmm. just asked me what some things you missed. Well, Pilate's question, what is truth, to me is one of the most interesting passages in the entire Bible. Yeah. And I didn't even mention it. I mean, mm-hmm. we read it, but I yeah. didn't even go there. It was going to be my third point, but then we had a bunch of baptisms, and so I just was like, I gotta, <laughs> gotta, gotta close up shop. Something's gotta give. But you know uh, what? That's why we have the talk back. That's why we have the talk there you back. Go. So, um, but I also thought, you know, almost on the same plane of interest to me, um, and and maybe to others, is Jesus' statement, My kingdom is not of this world. And then he says, If it was of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I wouldn't be uh, delivered over. And I just thought, man, how, how telling is that of this moment that you have the worldly kingdom that is fighting and you have the kingdom of Christ. And I think this is a big distinction that has to be made. It isn't of this world, but it is in, in this world. world. Mm-hmm. I, I had a conversation with a friend this week and basically my friend was saying, look, like, yeah, the kingdom is coming, but right now we're a part of these kingdoms. And, and, and in some regard, I understand what my friend was saying. We do have a stewardship here, but as Christians, we actually believe that currently, right now, the three of us sitting here are actually primarily more so citizens of the kingdom of Christ than we are citizens of the United States of America, mm-hmm. not in the coming ages, in this current age. Now, We'll experience that more fully in the coming ages. It will be more actualized in the coming ages. But right now, the reign of Christ uh, and his kingdom rule, if you will, in our lives is currently present. And we want his kingdom reign to be known, um, not just in our lives, but among everybody that we have influence. So mm-hmm. that, that's kind of where we 
went on Sunday, if you will. Um, well, and that's what you see all over Scripture too, and especially in the New Testament, that God has prepared good works for us to do. Titus is full of zealous for good works. Like there, there's action that we are to take as Christians in this world right now. That's important. Yeah, there, I said this. I don't even know if I said this in both services yesterday, but in one of the services, I said, you know, there's the old phrase: they are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. Mm-hmm. Well, in one sense, if you're more, and I understand what people mean with that critique, but in one sense, if you're more heavenly minded, the more heavenly minded you are, the more you see yourself as having an identity and security, and you you keep going down the line, wealth, importance love, security in the kingdom of Christ, actually that frees you up to spend your days and time and life here actually living for the good of others, mm-hmm. actually living to serve your present situation. Yeah, I think the the categories of, you know, a lot of New Testament theologians, Tom Schreiner, who, who was at Southern Seminary, he really like focuses a lot on this idea of the already but not yet. And right. I think that's an important thing for our people to realize, for me to realize is that we do live in a time where the kingdom of Christ is here, uh, is now. It's it's We are a part of it, but it is not yet fully realized. And that's where we find ourselves as Christians today is understanding how do we live out this kingdom that ha- has already been inaugurated by the resurrection of Christ after suffering on the cross and uh, the day when he'll come back and make all things new. Yeah, I, I think when I was uh, younger, I mean, and obviously Blake and I both went to Southern, and so did Jordan Coughlin. Hey, I hey. did. Three graduates right Man, here. Of the Southern cast. The world's greatest seminary. But anyway, we um, before I went to Southern, I mean, George Ladd, obviously, and Russ Moore, you know, helped me with these categories. I think I thought um, of salvation as like a ticket to the kingdom of Christ that was going to come with the return of Christ uh, more than I thought of the presence of the Mm -hmm. kingdom. And I think that maybe other Christians are like that too. Um, And it's easy to kind of push that off as something that's coming. And of course I want to be storing up for myself treasures there. And, but um, it can kind of, it, it changes the way that we understand our current, mindset mm-hmm. or current citizenship you know the kingdoms of this earth so yeah that's right mm-hmm. what are some of y'all impressions uh y'all's impressions from the sermon well i mean to that point i i really appreciated you framing you know this this access where where there is a there's a human plane and there's a you know heavenly plane kingdom of god kingdom of man and and i, I appreciated it because you know scripture is supposed to to confront us and, and I found myself confronted at times with how often I'm influenced and impacted by, you know, the, the kingdom of man and the loud voices that are telling me to believe this or do this or, you know, act in this way, uh, rather than seeing this, you know, this different plane that I need right. to evaluate. And, and that is the kingdom of God. And, uh, you know, I, I, there is a, there, I think it, where it gets complicated for us as Christians, which you spoke to is when, you know, we see aspects of the kingdom of God in these various viewpoints that are kind of put out by, you know, whatever group in the world. And, and so I, I can, I can find that good in whatever perspective or political party and, and kind of take hold of that and believe, oh yeah, this is, this is the kingdom of God. 
Uh, and, and I, you know, I think it's helpful to remind ourselves, like Jesus said to Pilate, my kingdom is not of yeah, this world. It's a totally different accent. <laughs> it is a, it is a different thing. And I think the humanism kind of piece that I talked about yesterday, the, the, the different like groups of power, kind of human power structures have done a really good job of capturing the hearts and imagination of Christians in one way or the other. That's both on the right and on the left. But, um, you know, to that point, I, when I was, this is something I wanted to say in the sermon yesterday, but had to cut. Um, I spent, I spent time diagramming a toss sweep instead. Um, but, uh, yeah. the, you did that, you did that well. Yeah. I mean, uh, drawing up a play, that's, it's some, you know, coach Blake, how much fun is it to draw up a it play? It is so fun. Yeah. And David Patton texted me when you were drawing that up. He was like, this is Jason's favorite sermon he's ever preached. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, yep. I was having fun. But anyway, um, Here's another story I wanted to tell, but kind of cut out. When I was at First Baptist Covington, and First Baptist Covington was a very, you know, it's an older congregation. Um, it, it had that kind of what I call like post-World War II Americana um, patriotism kind of feel about it. And, and there's a lot of great to that. Again, I'm not, that's, this is not necessarily a knock on that, but um, there's a lot of good to that. Uh, it's not primary, but there's some good there. And so anyway, I, um, you know, and I was young and I was, you know, I didn't, you know, know what I was doing. And, and so I started pushing on that, you know, I started rattling that cage a little bit. Um, I know, I know. Blake would have been wiser. If, if you would have been around, then like my life would have been a lot easier in those days. But <laughs> I don't know. I started rattling that cage a little bit. And um, and one at one point I was saying, you know what? Like, I think we had had a missionary come that day. And, I, you know, I introduced the missionary and, you know, the church kind of, you know, it's like, no, you know, kind of gave a little half-hearted applause. Well, anytime we had, like, we had some guys that were um, soldiers in our, like, for the, for the United States military, in our church, anytime they would, like, come back from deployment, the church would, like, Erupt. give a yeah. roaring ovation, yeah. right? And, you know, I, I, we were, I think we were in a members meeting. We were in a church conference is what we called it. And I just said, look, guys, y'all, y'all erupt when a soldier for the United States uh, is before you. But when somebody's risking their life to go on the mission field, it's it's a half-hearted applause. And, and, and somebody, and I was just trying to, kind of the yeah. same conversation. I wasn't giving them the plain talk, but I was just showing them, mm -hmm. look at where your priority is here. Look at where your, your heart is here. And somebody stood up and they said, well, Jason, without the United States, there wouldn't be any missionaries, you know? It, yeah, yeah, I mean, and so, but yeah. this, I think, speaks to kind of how these humanistic ideals have captured the hearts and imagination of Christians, yeah. Yeah. where all of a sudden Uncle Sam becomes, you know, primary, or maybe Jesus, you know, becomes a defender of the United States so that his kingdom work can go forward. Yeah, that's good. And, uh, it just shows how much confidence we have in the kingdoms of this world where, you know, in this guy's mind. And again, this was, you know, I, I think this is, this guy's a believer. He's a brother. I don't, you know, I'm not going to, I don't want to speak well of him, but just how quickly those categories can become confused in our mind. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden a kingdom of this world is the foundation for the kingdom right. of God. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, <laughs> We know that's not the but let's case. Let's talk more about humanism. Like you, you use that term, but give the people like that category. What do you mean when you say humanism? Yeah, I'd say humanism is just, I mean, basically it's a removal of God, yeah. right? Humans become kind of the highest 
end, the highest arc. I mean, I really do think that the We Are the World is a good kind of, if you, what is humanism? Listen to that song, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, we're saving our own lives. The, the, the way that the world's going to be redeemed is by humans having good ideas, is by humans um, working together, is by humans, you know, improving ourselves. Um, you know, yeah. uh, we can we can save ourselves. We can yeah. make ourselves right. And and obviously, the Christian message that we know and believe is that we can't save ourselves. We are we are ruined without a savior. We need an external savior. And so that's where those two ideals are in great conflict with one another. Now they they feel similar sometimes. Because obviously Christianity calls us if because we have this external savior, we've been called into community with one another, we've been called to love one another, but it's it's grounded in in God, it's grounded in something external, not in something that's internal. Right. So, and you know, just so people understand too, humanism is not something that is the product of postmodern age. Right. It's something that's been around since like the height of humanism. I see where you're I going. It's like yeah. the mm-hmm. Tower of Babel, right? In Genesis 11. This is not something that we came up with. It's not something that like is the result of you know, the media, and this is, this is a, this is a human heart issue, uh, this idea of humanism. And it's something that we, even as Christians will always be tempted towards. Anytime you, you, you start to believe that you in your flesh are sufficient, you know, which is very tempting because look at it, look at all around us right now. Mm -hmm. We've, we've built roads, we we build buildings. We, We, we are able to, um, with our own hands, assemble the essentials that we need for living and thriving. And so it's very easy. It's very tempting for all of us in our hearts to look at all of that humans do around us and say, aren't we awesome? Let's build a tower. Yeah. Let's call, you know, let's, let's build a tower and celebrate ourselves. We are the ones that'll make a brighter day. Yeah. So let's right. start giving. So, it, you know, there exactly. So there's, there's a sense in which, you know, there's a humanism that appeals to the right and the left, but there's also a humanism that appeals to the Christian that we just always need to guard our hearts against um, every day when we wake up, especially in this world where human progress is moving so rapidly. Yeah. And, and, you know, even before the height of humanism, maybe Genesis 11, the beginning of humanism is Genesis 3, right? That's right. Where the serpent says, and it's interesting, he says, you'll be like God. And then he says, knowing good and evil. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? It's you should determine what is good and evil. Right. Yep. And obviously we're in that moment right now. We're not looking to God to determine what is right and wrong. We're looking to ourselves mm-hmm. to determine what is right and wrong and good. And obviously we see that thought throughout the enlightenment, yeah. et cetera. So this is a complicated age, but this is not new. No. Yeah. H- no. Human beings, we, we are fallen and, and we need a word from the Lord. We need God to reveal himself to us. We need the revelation. The fact that, that we this talked feels about. new or it's actually evidence of God's grace that he's shown mm-hmm. a place like the United States the United States where so much of our kind of cultural and moral superstructure has actually been framed by a Western Christianity. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that's actually grace. It's common grace, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah. it's, it is grace. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, we, it, we need to respond in humility, right. As Christians, as God shows us that grace and, and really seek to, to evaluate ourselves. And so one of the questions, Jason, that I 
wanted to ask you, and you touched on this a little bit in your, your message, but, you know, so as Christians, um, there is a, yeah, there, there's a tension of, of being in the kingdom of God, recognizing that our citizenship is in heaven and being in this world and, and not wanting to buy into humanism, humanism and yet still working for, you know, the kingdom of God, uh, working for good in this world. Um, so my question is just how do you recommend people evaluate themselves and so that they don't drift into a, a humanism, whether yeah. it be, you know, on the progressive side or conservative side? I think one of the things that we've been saying in our Tuesday night group, I've been kind of in this little series on justice there. And I said that the only way that you can really discern righteousness is with revelation and relationship. And I, I think I would say the same thing there. Like, is is it really God's word that's framing the way? And if you've never had a moment where you're reading the Bible, you see how Jesus interacts with someone, you see how the church behaves, you, you're looking through Old Testament law and seeing what kind of protection it's giving or whatever. If there's never been a moment where you've said, huh, how does that, how, how, what, what, how does that reconcile with what I believe here? and that's never kind of troubled you, then chances are you aren't reading your Bible enough, and chances are you're not framing your worldview around God's Word, but mm-hmm. framing it around some sort of secular perspective. Um, and then and then I would also say, you know, last week I started the sermon by saying, um, you know, I was talking to one guy, and he said, I don't see how somebody could be a Christian and vote for Donald Trump. And then I was talking to another guy, and they were saying, I can't, I can't see how somebody could be a Christian and vote for Joe Biden. And that literally happened in my life within two hours. And um, I, I just think if you, if, you, if you are out there and you're saying, I just don't see how people could um, do this or do that, you're, just, you're, you're, you're likely not having enough relationship in your life. You're, so it's revelation and relationship. Um, you know, it, you're likely not having conversations with with Christians that aren't already in your own kind of echo chamber. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and a lot of times what we see, I think is, um, you know, for, I'll just, I'll just go to speak straight at it. Um, there could be, for example, like, um, a lot of African-American Christians that are truly troubled by the tone comments of president Trump. Right. Okay. Um, for right or for wrong, but they 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 genuinely are troubled by that tone, that perspective. They feel that that he's in front of them. Okay, um, what oftentimes some of my friends that are kind of right wing Christians will do, they'll find like one African American that is very much pro Trump, and they'll be like, "See," mm-hmm. rather than like listening to the whole perspective mm-hmm. of actually the majority of you know African American folks that you know, see the world a little differently. That kind of thinking, that kind of thing is really unhelpful. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, again, I'm not saying that everybody has to agree. I'm not saying there's not going to be disagreement along the way. I think what I was hopefully, hopefully inviting everybody into yesterday is, again, a different plane. Don't be so concerned with this plane. You may disagree with person on this plane, but where can you meet them on this plane? And obviously I'm giving a horizontal and a vertical axis for those of y'all who are listening where can you meet them on this plane and where can you really listen to them on this plane without just writing the person that is at a different place on the horizontal plane than you are off or finding the one person from that category of people to kind of pull into your camp 
uh, in order to like reaffirm your echo chamber. I just don't think that's healthy as a believer. And so I would say revelation and relationship. And when I talk about relationship, I'm talking about, you know, I think that it's good to have people that that you trust that maybe see the world in a very similar way to you do that you can talk about anything, but it's also good to have friends that see the world a little differently mm-hmm. than you that you can push you that still recognize the Lordship of Jesus. And if you don't think those people are out there, then you're, <laughs> you know, you're proving my point. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I mean, being in kind of a metro, a big old metropolitan area, right? There's, there's going to be diversity represented in neighborhoods even. I mean, yeah. p- people don't live according to their, you know, political leanings. Right. And so like getting to know your neighbors is probably just a really great place to start in 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 a real way instead of just filling your time with people who just think like you, uh friendships uh that you've developed. And so, you know, God places us where we are uh, strategically. And, and I believe that, you know, if you go into your neighborhood, you're going to find people who think differently than you. Yeah. Would you, I mean, let me ask this question. Would you guys say that, so we talk about unity in the church, right? Is not uniformity, right? right? All, all people viewing the same things, liking the same things. Yeah. Um, would you say that a healthy church is a place where there is unity in diversity? You know, when you, when we factor in that there, the kingdom of God is expressed, you know, kind of along this, you know, human plane where there are aspects of the goodness of God's kingly reign. Right. Do you think it's important? I mean, to your point about relationship for, you know, the, the church as we're seeking to grow and mature to, to, to have a diversity of, you know, people particularly passionate about things. But I think it's really hard Yeah. because I think so much humanism has crept into the church that as soon as you like meet that person of a different political specter or something like that in the church, you think to yourself, Oh, this isn't the place for me. I think we're so used to these echo chambery kind of churches that are kind of brought together because of these human kingdoms. Um, that, so I, as a pastor, I want to push against that, you know, as a pastor, um, you know, I want to, to your point, like I want to stay focused on this perspective and that's a challenge for me. It's a challenge for you. It's a challenge for all of us, it's a challenge for every church member. So yes and amen, but it's really, really hard, yeah. you know, even where you see it, it's really hard to find kind of diversity of political thought. And I would say our church is doing Actually, I mean, in terms of the churches I've been a part of, it's the most like politically diverse church that I've probably ever been a part of. Uh, and I think that's, it's a challenge for us, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've even like, you know, have, you know, some friends are like, oh, they go here, they go here. Well then, yeah, I don't know. I like it, but if they go here, then it, it, we're, we're so skeptical of those divisions and it just shows, it shows how captive we are to the horizontal plane. Mm-hmm. That's good. I know we've been talking about building relationships and, and, you know, having healthy conversations and dialogue, but let's talk about the Matt Hauser principle a little bit more. Matt Hauser, if you're out there and you're listening to Sermon Talk Back. I haven't talked to Matt probably since high school and, uh, (laughs) since I play probably, uh, but yeah, I mean, after that, I mean, he was, he was meaningless to me, but anyway, I'm just kidding. No, Matt Matt, Hauser was, he was a stud all the way through. Matt, if you're out there, we've asked 
Barack Obama, President Obama, if he wanted to go to lunch on the yeah. server talk back. If you're ever in Atlanta and you want a lunch, we got you, my man. Uh, you, you've meant a lot to our church over the last several weeks. Uh, but talk to us more about the Matt Hauser principle, Jason. Um, in particular, before we were, we were, you know, you kind of want to go with people and take, you know, use their momentum right. to win them kind of an idea, which has to happen in relationship. But then sometimes there comes a point where like, there's just disagreement, right? And Matt Hauser I think, stands I think, up. I think the, the yeah, Matt Hauser sometimes plants his foot and starts fighting back. Yeah. And so I presented the best of the Matt Hauser principle, and I do think that that's a great place to start. But um, yeah, it, it, you don't. It doesn't always end up in a pancake block, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it. And so I think the, um, yeah, I think the thing that I would say is when you're when you're having conversations with people out in the culture, and this is Christian or non-Christian. The, the Bathhauser principle is really this find the place of agreement, yeah. right? And start from there and then start to build a framework. And if they're a Christian, then there should be a lot of agreement. Now, you may eventually get to places of disagreement, obviously, mm-hmm. as has been proven through the history of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can see them in that disagreement as a brother or a sister. They can stretch you and you can stretch them. Um, rather than, you know, just signaling these, you know, places of division to one another. Now, sometimes that's really, really hard. Um, you know, I've, I've told this story at Christ Covenant before, and this person was not a believer. Um, I went to this, you know, Christmas party one time, a lot of just, you know, there are very few Christians that were there, and there was these friends of ours, and we had a, you know, it's a great party. We had a, we had a great, great time. And this guy, I think the the host of the party just thinks it's amazing that he has this like Baptist pastor as his friend. I mean, you know, this is a very kind of secular group in Atlanta. I mean, so again, to the point, like I've got this like unicorn over here that's mm-hmm. this Baptist that's here. And so it was a bunch of attorneys at this party. And so he takes me to one of these attorneys and he says, you're not going to believe this. This guy's a Baptist pastor. And the guy says, and I've never met this guy before in my life. And he goes, oh. Uh, why do you guys hate gay people so much? I mean, that was, you know, opening yeah. comment. Okay. <laughs> so what do you do with that? Yeah. You know, where do you go from there? How do you have a meaningful conversation? And I was like, Whoa, hold on. Let's, let's, let's step back a little bit. And so I went all the way back to, do you believe that there is any order in the universe at all? <laughs> right. Can we agree on that? And I had him, it was hard for it was hard for him to agree with me on that because he knew that he didn't want to get cornered. I mean, he was a good attorney, right? Yeah. He didn't want to, and so yeah, you know, that conversation we didn't like in the conversation agreeing with one another, right? Yeah. Um, but you see what I was trying to do there. I was saying, okay, where can we agree? Okay, can we agree that there's order mm-hmm. in the universe? Um, and obviously, for most people, like you know, we have seasons. We the sun rises. I mean. The, the order of the universe is pretty obvious. And mm-hmm. so that's probably a pretty good place to start. Um, but I mean, even what I was saying yesterday in the justice issues, like, okay, can we both agree that every human life has dignity? Okay. Now we can start talking about like what our policy should be concerning abortion, for example, or concerning uh, illegal immigration. I mean, yeah. so you can kind of look at both sides of that and, yeah. and, 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 and hopefully both sides end up pushing one another and I would say in an ideal world where Christians really know their Bible and really are submitted to the Lordship of Jesus, both political parties at least are always kind of skeptical of Christians because they're too free thinking. I mean, they're too, 
they, they think outside of the molds that these political parties want us to think within. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think there, as I'm, as I'm hearing you talk, I think there's some parallels, you know, with, the, with this type of discussion and dialogue with, and, and apologetics, right? Where in apologetics, you, you at times have people who are very confrontative and, and immediately, you know, confront you or, or demand something of you. And I think, you know, apologetics classes you guys have taken them you know Mm -hmm. it's we're supposed to be confident in what we believe in so that we can answer a question with a question so that we can reframe it so that we can you know and and i think that in this day and age when there are such loud demanding voices you know attacking us in a lot of ways that we have to be confident in what we believe to be the kingdom of god so that I'm not immediately defensive, right? right. I'm not immediately right. fearful. Uh, I can I can take it, right? When someone demands something of me, I can I can take it and evaluate it because I because I'm confident in what God has called me to as a, as a Christian, and that enables me to have a constructive conversation. Mm-hmm. It's when I'm when I'm fearful, that's that's when things get hairy, right? <laughs> yeah, and I think you. I mean, if you just if you're like, man, what's a model for this? I would just say like the discourses of Jesus, right? Mm. He's always confronted, but he's never really defensive. He just kind of meets the people. And and what does he do with the Pharisees? He actually like appeals to what they do believe in or what at least they should believe in. Yeah. And then he says, okay, if you believe that, then how can you believe this? And, and, and that's, I think, the Matt Hauser principle. I think that's what we're talking about is is figuring out, okay, where is where is this person's heart going? Mm-hmm. Now, they may just be combative, right? Yep. And that's probably not going to be that constructive yeah. because they don't really want to grow. But, you know, if they really are genuine, they're just seeing the world from a different perspective, then I think you can both grow mm-hmm. together and those can be really well, good. Well, and that's such an important point that as as Christians, we're called to be humble and and I think you know even in the Matt Hauser principle, and you mentioned this on Sunday, it's not I'm doing this so that I can convince them that my perspective is entirely right. 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 That we're we're humble enough to recognize. I mean, to your this is why I found the X and Y plane so helpful. It's like there are, there are going to be aspects that maybe I'm I'm missing. Right. You know, in in my concrete perspective that needs to be changed that needs to be more fully formed by this other perspective right. i need to be willing to listen to that the goal is moving up not left or right yeah. right you yeah. know you're either gonna I, I always believe you're either going to move up or down or you're mm-hmm. going to move somebody else up or down mm-hmm. and i'll say this i think that a lot of christians the way that christians have talked about the horizontal plane has caused a lot of downward movement um, we have we have been so combative. We have been so, I would say, you know, making bad alliances in a lot of cases that it has created, you know, I'll just go and say this. If you're listening to this and you're like, okay, when, when I tell my non-Christian neighbor that I'm a Christian, okay, you know what they immediately think? They think it's political. They, they immediately jump to a political conclusion because that's the way the secular world kind of views the world. And so... Mm-hmm. We have we have given in, or we have built into that lie, that that perspective. Um, but we've just taken it hook, line, and sinker in many cases. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think that that has caused a lot of downward motion. And again, our goal is is moving up toward the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So. so, 
one more question. Can you do this? Can you do that and still be passionate about particular issues? Yeah, of course, because these things are still important. We were still talking about truth here. Um, so yes, but I think you're, you're, you're more passionate about Christ and his kingdom. Right. But I mean, obviously we can be passionate about particular issues and people are going to disagree with those issues. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're, you know, we're passionate about those, uh, particular issues in a way that ultimately would serve Christ and his kingdom and not necessarily our vision of, you know, the United States of America. Yeah. Um, I guess two things are coming to mind. First of all, uh, data and statistics. I, I feel like um, relationships are like the places where like you need to be having these conversations. And so I would argue like be weary of like data and statistics and like throwing that to justify your argument because those data and statistics largely came from people who were seeking to justify Looking their conclusions, their pre-conclusions yeah. and their presuppositions anyways. And so like, um, in relate, I'm just saying like in relationship, like get to know people in their struggle. And then that kind of brings me to a second thing. Like God has placed you where you are to be an influence where you are with the relationships that you have. Like we live in this moment where like everything is national and I hate it because there's, there's much to do about nothing sometimes when it, when it comes to this, because everything has become so high level and you, you get into this big old national political narrative that, that you actually have little influence over. You can go vote, (laughs) but you neglect the place where you actually have a lot of influence right. over. And right. so, so, so good. Warning. So good. I, I was having a conversation this weekend with uh, a friend and, uh, and I've been friends with this guy for a long time and he like goes off into the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories. And so, it, and I would just say this, if you're listening to this, this is something else I wanted to say yesterday and I didn't, if you're prone to conspiracy theories, the chances are you don't have enough confidence in the providence of God and the kingdom of Christ. Um, so just hear that. Um, but this guy, he is like prone to conspiracy theories and, uh, you know, so distraught over the current condition of the world. Mm -hmm. And we were talking, we were talking on Saturday morning, actually. Uh, and while Paige was out, uh, with leading the team, serving in the Grove Park community, 40 Christ covenant members, maybe more, just serving, helping, doing, doing something, something local. local that actually is making a difference. It's actually helping human beings. And uh, so we're talking about all this. And then that came, he goes, well, where's Paige? And I was like, she's doing this. And I was like, well, what are you doing? You know, you're concerned about this. Like, And really the only thing he's doing is like reading blogs, right? Yeah, and so right. like the, his, his action mo- uh, movement is to just educate himself more um, on in information that's suspect anyway. And so if you're that person, if you're listening to this, I'm calling you out right now, like quit, stop, go and go and get involved with read together ATL, go and teach a student how to read, go and, uh, you know, get involved with, um, K life or young life, go and disciple a young thinker. If you Mm -hmm. believe that all the things go, go and serve in our children's ministry, go and disciple some of the students in our church alongside of Graham, go and do something that is active for the kingdom and quit 
reading blog posts and doing nothing and maybe making an occasional Facebook post. That is worthless. Again, to your point, it's so national, it's not local, it makes no difference. And that is where the humanism has grabbed the heart of the believer. This is not, when, when, when the Bible says you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, it's not talking about reading more and more blog posts. Yeah. It's talking about using the gifts that Christ has given you to actually advance his kingdom. It's good. Maybe um, we should end there. Let's do it's it. a good ending. Well, for Jordan Coughlin and Blake Rogers, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening.